Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. Be it in the troubled minds, young and old, that commit mass shootings, the incredible and successful talents that commit suicide, or those that seek solace in alcohol or opiates, mental illness is all around us. What's encouraging is that we are finally talking about it. Not enough and not openly enough. But remember back in the 50s, there was a reluctance to even talk about cancer at the time. But times change. And one of the things that precipitates that change is the courage of individuals that are willing to come forward and tell their story. Suddenly, when we see our friends, neighbors, even our doctors and other people like us reveal all, suddenly the shroud falls away and sunlight does its job. Edward Hallowell is one of our most distinguished psychiatrists and a leading authority in the field of ADHD. He's now pulled back the curtain on his own life to reveal a story of dysfunction, hope, and survival. Ed Hallowell is a child and adult psychiatrist. He's a renowned speaker and a leading authority in the field of ADHD. He's the founder of the Hallowell Center, and he's the author of numerous books, including Driven to Distraction. It is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Ned Hallowell back to this program to talk about his new memoir, Because I Come from a Crazy Family, The Making of a Psychiatrist. Ned, welcome back to the program. Well, it's certainly my pleasure to be back uh, with you. A delight to have you here. For a long time, there was always this kind of taboo that surrounded psychiatrists or even psychologists revealing too much about their own personal lives. Talk a little about that first. Well, you know, the, the, the taboo is really around uh, uh, the whole subject of, of mental problems to begin with. And, and I just, it, 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 that's, that kills people. And and so, you know, I've been very open about the fact that I have ADD for 35 years and, and, and as well as dyslexia. So I broke that barrier decades ago. <laughs> but the uh, the notion of uh, uh, being secret about who you are, I mean, my goodness, uh, Shakespeare taught us a long time ago to thine own self be true. He didn't say to thine own self be secret and to the world be secret and keep everything that matters uh, under, under the under your hat. Uh, it, it's absolutely crazy. It's and and not only is it crazy, it kills people. I mean, these two recent suicides that everyone's been talking about. I think I think we can directly attribute them to this to this taboo and to this silent command uh, to be secret and to uh, you know someone once told me everyone has a public life, a private life, and a secret life, and it's the secret life that kills people. And one of the reasons I wrote my memoir is to blow the lid on that, to be open. You know, to say, come on, people, let's be open. Let's celebrate. My book is a celebration, by the way. It, it's not a, it's not a. Oh, look at these deep dark secrets at all. It's my love, my family. Yes, they were crazy, they were drunk, but they were they were livers of life to the fullest, and they were. Uh, yes, they they there were some very uh, sad stories in there, but they were they were they were livers of life. They were they were eccentric. They were odd. And some of them were flat out crazy. But I love them, and I'm very proud of them, and that's what I want people to be able to do, to come out and, and, and just not hide anymore. It's just, it kills people, and, and uh, gosh darn it, we, we ought to be sophisticated enough, you know, to do, we've, we've, now we've allowed people to be who they are as far as sexual identity, as far as race, as far as religion, you know, we, we ought to be able to allow people to be who they are as far as, far as their emotional makeup. For goodness sake, uh, stop killing people out of out of stigma and, and shame. How much of, of understanding the broader framework that you talk about, and because I come from a crazy family, is really about people that, that are smart enough or clever enough 
to be able to kind of reach escape velocity to to really move away from that craziness and at the same time then appreciate the family and the people as you're talking about because there's an awful lot of people that get caught up in it that can't escape i love the way you put it uh, and i guess that's what i did i reached escape velocity because i i did have to escape i did have to uh get out of the uh, orbit, if you will. I, I think that's a great term. That's a great term, Jeff. I, I, uh, I, I really like that. I did, I did have to reach escape velocity because the, the families uh, like mine do have a way of keeping people uh, in, their, in their orbit and, and not escaping. And that, and, that can, and that can be very crippling, and it, it really can. And I, I did have to escape. I very deliberately kind of cut ties with my mother and because she wanted to keep me you know in her in her web and and i and i and i really stopped taking her calls she'd call me up drunk uh, in the middle of the night and i and i really stopped taking her calls and because i had to get off to medical school and i had to get off to living my life and and i couldn't be there you know serving her you know drunken calls in the middle of the night and uh um so yeah, I mean, I think to set ourselves free and to reach escape velocity, as you so very articulately put it, we do have to kind of declare our independence and and move on and and uh, and now I can I can now I can be of use to people, you know, like my mm-hmm. mother who's passed away and is in heaven, and um, I can I can try to help the people free themselves from uh, from you know, these, these issues. And, and one of the other points I try to make is, you know, don't be defined by the illness part of mental illness because within every so-called mental illness, there are also gifts within, you know, within depression, there's a, there's an upside. I mean, look at Abraham Lincoln. He suffered from major depression and he's our greatest president, you know, whoever lived. Uh, One of the figures in in literature that I loved, Samuel Johnson, maybe one of the greatest geniuses who ever lived, major, major depression, and, and yet he, huge contributor to, to literature. And so I think we in mental health need to start, the, the diagnostic manual only lists the pathology. We also ought to list, list the upside because usually with, with these uh, conditions, there are considerable gifts that come along with it. And, and we, we ought to talk about that as well. It's rare to find someone who has tremendous talent, tremendous creative talent, who doesn't have one or another of the conditions we commonly diagnose, be it depression or an anxiety disorder or, or bipolar disorder or substance use disorder or ADHD. It's rare to find someone who doesn't have one of those, who, who is extremely creative and productive. What is it, as you see it, that really defines why some people are able to escape and others aren't? Is it intelligence? Is it opportunity? Is it geography? What are the factors that play into that as you see it? Above all, it's, it's human connection. Above all, and this is what I've learned, and, and, I, and, and we, there's a ton of data to prove it, but above all, it's, it's finding the right mentor, finding the right person to love. You know, uh, I always say marry the right person, find the right job. But earlier than that, finding the right teacher. You know, I found this incredible English teacher at Exeter who who turned me on to writing. But more than that, you know, who got me to write a novel in the 12th, 12th grade. And what that did was 
got me to do something I would have thought was impossible. And that really set me free to thinking big, to dreaming big. You know, when you, when you get someone to prove to themselves they can do something they would have thought was impossible, then you turn them on to a whole new world. Then you, then you give them a whole new universe. Oh, my God, you mean I really can do something big. I really can do something much more than I ever thought I could do. So it's meeting the right mentor, the right coach, the right teacher, uh, the right, you know, person to fall in love with, the going to the, you know, finding the, you said opportunity, yes, the right job opportunity, the right, uh, uh, the right person at the right time. And, and, and the corollary of that is not finding the wrong teacher, the wrong coach, the wrong school, you know, the wrong job, mm. the, because there are people out there who crush you, who kill you, who destroy you, who tell you you're a loser, who break you. So it's, it's being lucky enough not to fall into the wrong hands and being lucky enough to fall into the right hands. And I was lucky enough to find great teachers and find great friends and find, you know, as much as I had difficult, uh, you know, members of my family, a, you know, a pretty wicked stepfather and a father who, you know, had psychosis and, and, and whatnot, but I, I was lucky enough to find, you know, great teachers and, uh, you know, I, and, and I say, you know, also get a dog. You know, dogs are unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable connectors and encouragers and, and have uh, absolute faith in you. So it is connection. That's, that's the key. There's no doubt about it. All the studies confirm that. It's not, you know, IQ helps, uh, you know, uh, luck helps, opportunity, all that helps. But it is the power of, of human connection and, or canine connection. Right. Um, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, I happen to believe in God and I, you know, whatever you want to, I, you know, I think God is love. So then, then it comes back to connection, if you will. But um, that, that's, that's, the, that's the differentiating force. If you look at every life of people who beat the odds, and I, I certainly did beat the odds. The statistics uh, of uh, people who have the risk factors I had are I should be dead or marginalized. And the reason I'm not is is the people I met along the way and the people who, who influenced me. It's, there's no doubt about it. How much does fear play a role, fear of ending up like the other members of your family that you're seeing and that you don't want to be like them? How much does that play a role? In, in my case, none, none whatsoever. I, I, I loved them, and I had no fear whatsoever that I'd be like them, because I loved them. Uh, I didn't, uh, and I, I had this pretty rock-solid confidence that I would not be like that. I just, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I just kind of knew I wouldn't. I just, I just kind of believed. I believed in myself, and maybe, where does that come from? Who knows? But it, it, I, I think it comes from connection. Again, I just... I just sort of knew, just like I knew I'd hand my papers in on time. I just kind of knew I'd get the job done. You know, I, 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 this is my 20th book. I, I know I'll get my books done. I, I just know I'll do it. I, you know, I, I, I knew I, I kind of knew I wouldn't go crazy. And I had no right to know that because by statistics, I, had, I was at great risk of going crazy. I mean, I'd, my brother went crazy. My father went crazy. I mean, you know, I, I had uh, blood relatives. I, so I don't know why. I just... Uh, I had no fear whatsoever, and and um, uh, now I know for for some people fear plays a great role, but I I had zero fear of that, and in fact, quite the opposite. I wanted to go help them. You know, I wanted to go into the danger zone. I I, I have uh, when it comes to crazy, I I know no fear at all. I love crazy people. I, 
uh, I, I, I really do. I love them. I'm much more afraid of your average banker. Than, you know? and, um, I, I, I love crazy people. They, they, I feel right at home with them. It seems like that there are two competing forces in the way we look at this. One is the idea that we are almost infinitely resilient as young people and that we can bounce back from adversity and and, and really deal with this in the ways that you did. And the other side of it that we hear more and more about these days, I suppose, is the childhood trauma leaves a lasting impact and that in many ways some of it is inescapable. Talk about those two ideas. Well, you know, gosh, Jeff, you're such a good interviewer. I just have to compliment you because that that is the that is the that is the question. And um, the data on trauma, you know, my my friend Bessel van der Kolk with his wonderful book, "The Body Keeps the Score," you know, and his uh, the the work on trauma is 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 just devastating. You know, the uh, if you've been traumatized, uh, the the damage is is tremendous. I mean, the, these kids who have been abused in any number of ways, uh, it's devastating. And, you know, and I, the childhood, adverse childhood experiences score, you know, I, if you have more than four out of ten, your chances of leaving, living a decent life are, are very, very low. And my score is eight out of ten. And, and so I should be dead, like I said. I mean, it, it's a, a miracle that I'm here. So based on statistics alone, the statistics are, are very depressing, very, very, very dire. And, uh, and we don't have great treatments, uh, unfortunately. We, we just don't. Once, once you've been hit with enough trauma, it's, it's, it's really tough. The outcomes are, are very bad. And even if you survive, uh, the chances that you'll thrive are, are, are low, low, low. So the fact that I've thrived is, is even more astonishing. And, and so your question about resilience um, how does that happen? Uh, you know that that is, and that's where I'm putting my money. That's where I'm putting my efforts is to is to promote that. And it really comes down four square on the force of love, on the force of connection. That's where it's at. Uh, you know, given that it's pretty darn hard to prevent trauma. I mean, if if we can do that, great. But uh, you know, so what we need to do is to promote as much as we possibly can, loving connection. Promote, in early childhood, loving connection. And if you don't get it where you're supposed to get it, then get it wherever you can. And that's what I did. I, I, I couldn't get it necessarily where I was supposed to get it, so I got it where I could. And in my case, it was at boarding schools, uh, starting uh, in the fifth grade. And, uh, and, and it worked. It did the trick. And then I got it from God. I mean, you know, say what you want. I, I adopted God as at, at, at age seven as my imaginary friend. And you, you may laugh at that, but it was, it was not theology. Believe me, I had no theology. I was sent off to uh, Sunday school in Charleston, South Carolina, so my mother and stepfather could sleep it off from the night before. And I, they didn't tell me anything. But I just went off and sang in the choir because they told me to do it. And I, I'd hear these sermons, and I said, oh, God, what's God? And, and I said, that's my imaginary friend, and he loves me. And that was that was it had nothing to do with theology. I needed I needed somebody, and I adopted God as my imaginary friend, and it was very powerful, very very powerful. And and um, so that was force of connection. And 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 honest to goodness, that's what saved me. And and uh, you know I and I beat tremendous odds, tremendous odds because of that. So you know this is not an academic argument at all. 
and I am living proof of the power of this kind of stuff. So, you know, I've, I've lived it, and I'm here to tell the story. Uh, so, so it's not an academic debate whatsoever. It's a, now, granted, I'm an N of one. I'm a one, one study, but, but I'm, I'm a real living piece of protoplasm at the age of 68 to, to, to report about it. How important is it to see people like you, to see other stories, to see people that survived? You talk, in, in, in Because I Come From a Crazy Family, about what you've learned from seeing others and from your patients. How important is it even to younger people to see that there is a way out? Oh, gosh. I mean, that's why I put it in writing. I mean, I think it means the world. Uh, you know, I think we, we need to know, we need to have hope. We need to know, uh, you know, that, that, that there is hope, you know, I mean, uh, um, sure. That's, that's why people buy lottery tickets. That's why people get schnookered. <laughs> but on the other hand, that's why people try, you know, that's why people, that's why people put in the effort and, and that's why people find their way. I mean, you know, if if you had told me when I was seven, you might as well give up, Ned. There's no chance. Uh, you have about as much a chance of, of of having life as winning the lottery. You know, I, I guess I might have just given up. But but because I had this cockeyed optimism, you know, and and uh, uh, I just I, I just it, it was unthinkable. I just absolutely had hope. I mean, I, I just. I, I just knew in my heart, I knew it was all going to work out. No, nobody, I didn't get the memo that there was no <laughs> hope. Uh, I didn't get that memo. I just, you know, I just always had hope and uh, I found the right people. And nobody told me. I, in fact, I didn't discover the study of childhood experiences until uh, a couple of years ago when I was writing this memoir. I said, oh my goodness, look at these odds that I beat. And, um, you know, so. Uh, I don't want kids to get that memo. I want them to know that the, there's the, they can beat these odds. Now, I also want them to have the tools to do it, and that's unfortunately what they're not getting. And so we need to have more more ways for them to connect. I mean, these these school shootings and, and these suicides—they're all about the same thing. People scratch their heads and wonder why. I'll tell you why. It's because of disconnection. It's because of social isolation. It's because of their not having. Uh, friends, supports, uh, places to go where they can feel understood, welcomed. They don't need therapy. What they need is connection. They need a dog. They need an, uh, an arm around them. They need a person. You know, therapy, that's, uh, first of all, it's expensive and it's hard to get. But number two, that's not what they need. They need a, a loving connection. They need a dog. They need the equivalent of a dog. That's what they need. And uh, that saves lives. You know, and, and so, you know, so it, it, it's, it's pretty simple, and it wouldn't be that hard to implement if we could just get behind it. Uh, loving attachments, uh, loving connections, that's what we need, and that will prevent suicides and will prevent school shootings. You talk about the positive attitude that, that you had, that you didn't get the memo that said that there was no hope, that you had hope, right. that you had this positive right. attitude. How much of that, though, is kind of hardwired into us? We see even babies sometimes, little kids, some that have a positive attitude, some that don't. That's something that seems to be innate with us. Jeez, Jeff, you, you, you do ask the best questions. You know, you're spot on. Yeah, and that's, that is true. I think I did inherit, uh, probably from my mother, uh, an innate optimism. And, and for all the turmoil and tragedy of her life, she never lost that. Uh, 
she always talked about the bluebird of happiness. And, um, yeah, I think I, I got that from her and I just, uh, I just, I just do have a, a hardwired, uh, tendency to look on the bright side. I mean, I also have a dark side, don't get me wrong, but, uh, uh, but yes, I do think, I do think I was born with that gene that I got from her. And I, and I, and I do think, and there, there's plenty of evidence of this, that, that that is, that is hardwired. Now that doesn't mean if you don't get it, you can't acquire it. And, and, and Martin Seligman has done a lot of work, research on this learned optimism. So you, you, you can't acquire it, but I was lucky enough to be born with it. To what extent do you look back on, on the crazy family and, and really have a certain understanding, sympathy, compassion, and how important is that? I think it's hugely important. And I, and I look back on it often, obviously I did in depth in writing this memoir, but I love this family. I, I, I feel so proud of it in all its craziness, in all its uh, messiness, you know. I'm, I'm so proud of it. it. It's my, it's who I am. It's my, you know, it's where I come from. It's, it's of whom I'm made. And, uh, and I try in my work to uh, honor it, you know, and, and, uh, and I honor it by, by showing it as it was, as it is not by tidying it up. They wouldn't want me to tidy it up. They'd laugh at that. They'd say, oh, cut it out, be real. To them, to me, the worst thing you can be is a hypocrite. So they say, just show, show us as we are. And I do, and I'm very proud of them. You know, and it, it's, a, it's an honor to come from them. And, and those who would say, oh, don't show us as we are, well, shame on you. you know, to thine own self be true, be real. And that's what we need to do. We need to give people permission to be real because being otherwise kills people. It, and if it doesn't kill them, it makes them very unhappy and it never brings out their best. I mean, it does seem that the difference is in what you've been able to achieve, and, and, and I think this is a distinction with a difference, that it was the ability to escape the circumstances and not escape the people. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it, Jess. That 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 is so true. I I was able to escape the circumstances and and still embrace the people. Uh, I I I only really rejected one person, and that was my my stepfather because he just uh, I I I I honored him in the book in that I found his good side and I tried to understand him, but he he just was. Uh, well, you have to read the book to see why. Right. But, uh, uh, but I, I, I didn't reject anybody. I, I, I embrace them all. They're they're all uh, wonderfully interesting, intelligent, creative, fascinating people. And what you and what you didn't add to the mix, which I you know I think a lot of people probably do, is the anger that comes with it. Yes, yes, yes. There's a. Um, there's a lot of anger and in, in, in missed opportunities for these people. Uh, many of them could have achieved a whole lot more had they had access to the kinds of treatments we have today. Uh, my uncle, I think of, who really was crippled by an anxiety disorder that he didn't even really know he had. And it, it kept him, you know, in Chatham down on Cape Cod where he could have been a major executive in the business world and and uh um my father with his bipolar disorder lithium cured him and he uh 
taught public school in New Hampshire for the rest of his life, but he he could have done he could have done more. But it, what he did was wonderful, and he was a beloved teacher. But uh, my brother, of course, you know, finished near the top of his class at Harvard and Phi Beta Kappa, summa cum laude, and and uh, his bipolar disorder and the treatments he got really really blasted his brain, and so he he wasn't able to regain the the level of intellectual function that he had before that and and he 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 was able to function but it was not anywhere near at the same level so that you know there there's loss that comes with these conditions there's loss and 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 i'm I'm proud of these people but you know I certainly recognize the loss that they that they suffered and and the the pain that that comes with with these conditions but there's also great dignity in the way they they carried on and and the and there's great humor i tell many very very funny stories in this book and then and then beyond my family the my training at the old massachusetts mental health center and the wonderful patients i met there and the wonderful teachers i had there and and the whole the whole introduction in, into uh, just sitting with patients which is what our what what the uh, what the what the command was to sit with patients. It's a wonderful way of learning how to be with people who are in a different state of mind. And finally, talk a little bit about how all of this crazy family led you to pursue psychiatry as a profession. Well, it's it's just a natural it's just a natural progression, you know. I mean, there was that voice that I heard when I was a little boy that said, "Be a psychiatrist," and where that came came from, I have no idea. It, it was like a Old Testament prophet or something. <laughs> this is what I'm telling you to do, and I ended ended up doing it. But but it was I I forgot about it at the time. But I you know it was the logical thing for me to do because I'd I'd seen so much and and gone through so much. It, it made sense for me to uh, to go into a field where I I had such a natural understanding and comfort with different mental states and could identify with almost all of them. Aside from psychotic states, I can identify with pretty much every <laughs> condition listed in the diagnostic manual. So I had a natural empathy, understanding, and and uh, affinity for these folks, and and a desire to help them. It's sort of like a desire to to heal my own family. And and so it made all the sense in the world for me to to go get trained in the field and and um, and uh, and and I love my work. Now I was lucky enough to to specialize in attention deficit disorder and dyslexia because I have those conditions. And I say lucky because because these po- folks get get a lot better. So unlike most doctors who have to deliver bad news, I, I deliver good news every day. You know, once I, once I diagnose ADD, things can only get better. And I say, you know, you've got a race car brain with bicycle brakes and your life is about to get better because I'm a brake specialist. And, uh, you know, things can only get better whether you're a child or an adult. Once you get that diagnosis, things can only improve. And so I'm I'm so lucky. You know, I I go to church every Sunday and when I say thank you, God, I really, really mean it. You know, I, I'm... Uh, I'm very, very lucky. Very, 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 very lucky. And um, uh, it's uh, here I am at 68 talking to you. Um, I'm lucky to have you. Look, you're <laughs> such a brilliant interviewer. Oh, you're, thank you. You really are. You, I, I, I'm not just blowing smoke. I really mean it. You're, you're a, a brilliant interviewer. You, act, you ask uh, very, very probing questions, and, and um, uh, I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you. Dr. Ned Hallowell. 
His new memoir is Because I Come from a Crazy Family, The Making of a Psychiatrist. Nana, thank you so much for spending time with us and for your kind words. Thank you, Jeff. Take care. Thank you.